Echo's Box Podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's Box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people. Out of respect for all, please do not listen if this content isn't right for you, and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. Welcome back to Echo's Box. This is episode 19, our first episode of the new year. And you were just listening to another sneak peek off of my upcoming EP, Starstruck. That song is called Vices. So if you like what you heard, be sure to go follow all my music stuff. It's TikTok Jones Music for the TikTok and it's Jones Music on Instagram. I'll actually be storyboarding for a music video at the end of this month. And once the music video is done, the the album's going to drop. So you can expect that around spring of 2023 sometime. I got to be kind of vague. We got to get all the things done first, even though it is technically done and I'm super stoked on it. Um, but yeah, we're starting the year off right. My my hardcore band Opt Out also just dropped a three song that's out everywhere now, uh, as well as the nifty little music video. So if you want to see me playing some bass in a music video, go check that out. It's on YouTube everywhere. You can search for Opt Out Hardcore or whatever. It's a pretty heavy band. I'll, I'll feature some more of that uh, in the future. Um, You've heard some of our old stuff before uh, as intros, but yeah, so three whole new songs. They're stupid heavy. So as soon as you're finished up listening to this episode, you know, you know what to go do next. That'd be super cool of you. All right. On to today's topic. First podcast of the year 2023. We're going to be talking about dreams. What are dreams? Are they imagination? Are they a separate reality? Are they another world? Are dreams real? All right, that's enough antics. I figured I'd just have fun with that for a sec because dreams are kind of a trippy topic. You know, everyone dreams, even me despite the insomnia. Some of us dream a lot. Some of us dream very, very, very little. I happen to be one of those people that doesn't dream a lot. Even when I get a good night's rest, most of the time my mind is just totally blank. I sleep and wake up. No dreams at all. But when I do dream, more often than not, I actually have nightmares. For a long time, I wondered why this was. And you see, nightmares are still just dreams, but they kind of have a negative connotation because, well, of how they make us feel consciously when we wake up from a nightmare. Maybe they were scary or something, um, or maybe they were traumatizing. You know, it could be sad, any kind of thing that we would assign a negative emotion to. Uh, And and I'll define a nightmare a little bit more uh, shortly, but first I want to go back to the opening question. What the hell is a dream? Well, a quick Google for the definition will tell you that a dream is a series of thoughts images and sensations occurring in a person's mind during sleep. That's not necessarily wrong, but it's leaving a lot of ambiguity on the table. Obviously, it's it's correct. It's our accepted definition uh, in general, but it, it's kind of ambiguous because dreams are, are more than just that. That's just kind of the baseline. Actually, if we look at a few modern medical articles, we we get a little bit more clarity on what dreams might be. For example, Dr. Michelle Dreyrup, apologies if I just butchered her name, but they say that dreaming may represent important cognitive functioning. Brain activity that occurs when we're dreaming is similar to the memory processing brain activity uh, that we experience when we're awake. All right, that's kind of interesting. 
Other medical professionals say that dreams represent unconscious desires and wishes. Uh, they interpret random signals from the brain and body during sleep, kind of implying that it's kind of random responses from uh, you know synapses and neurons and all that kind of crap firing off. Um, also, that dreams are consolidating and processing information that we gather during the day, or they're kind of working as a form of psychotherapy where our subconscious is processing things. Um, and others, well, they just say that dreams have no meaning at all. You see, some dreams can be very coherent, and some dreams are totally nonsensical or even whimsical, and some dreams are absolutely terrifying and negative. In fact, most of the time, we actually don't remember what we dream at all. That seems to be the most common thing. So when I said I rarely dream earlier, it is totally possible that I am not dreaming at all. That does happen. But it is also entirely possible that I dreamed all night and I simply have no recollection. And I have no way of knowing the difference. No one does. You either remember your dream or you don't. If you don't remember a dream or remember dreaming at all, then to you, you might as well have not dreamed. Now, you could hook someone like me up to a machine that tracks uh, rapid eye movement sleep and my brain waves and probably detect brain activity that looks like a dream to test more accurately. But no one is doing that every single night uh, without using one of those fancy headsets that they sell nowadays, which actually, according to some of my mentors, those things do work fairly well for meditation and sleep tracking. So if you wish to incorporate that into your routine, especially if you have a spiritual practice, um, it Seems like it might be good. There's some good ones out there nowadays. Personally, I don't find them very useful since I don't really sleep as much, uh, at least compared to the average person. And my meditation journey is just increasingly consistent so far. So I just don't find much value in it personally. That said, that's just me and they are objectively useful tools and I do recommend them. Um, so yeah, we can technically get a rough idea on detecting if we've had a dream or not, even if we don't remember. Uh, but as far as defining what dreams are, well, the conclusion here is we don't know. We just have theories for why we dream and ways to determine if we are dreaming. But when it comes to nightmares, it's actually pretty uniformly agreed upon that there's some sort of external stress during our daily lives that impacts the quality of our dream that will turn it from just a normal dream of positive or even neutral emotional value to one that invokes a negative emotional response. So the current research we have suggests that nightmares often occur due to stress, conflict, fear, trauma, general emotional problems, medication or drug use, or illness. Like if you're sick and thinking bad, maybe you'll have nightmares more frequently. So those are all the things that we seem to attribute to uh, an increase of nightmare activity as compared to a more positive or neutral dream. Um, and this got me thinking. How can we be so sure about what causes a nightmare, but say that dreams might mean nothing at all? We, we're, we're pretty certain that nightmares have some kind of association, at least scientifically or medically, to some extent. But there's still a theory that seems valid and plausible that dreams don't mean anything at all. Now, I did just give a list that some medical professionals would say uh, in terms of dreams representing a fair amount of different emotional and logical thought processing in some form for a wide variety of reasons. There are people who do say that. There are professionals that do say that. However, this isn't as consistent as the school of thought that the state, uh, as like the state that causes nightmares is. There's more ambiguity in the school of thought as to what dreams are as compared to what causes nightmares. We're pretty certain about what causes nightmares, but not so sure about what a dream is. So, even based on the bare bones definition of dreams alone, 
the general thought is dreams are just thinking while we sleep, but they have no inherent significance. I think when I hear that statement or anything of the same sort of, uh, of temperament as that statement, it feels kind of dismissive, but that's why words are so important. Last episode callback for our regulars. Uh, so, so let's go back to our Google definition. A dream is a series of thoughts, images, and sensations occurring during a person's mind uh, or occur- occurring in a person's mind during sleep. It's our mind working while we are effectively unconscious. This is where I personally subscribe to the theory that dreams are your subconscious executing whatever you provide it. If you provide it negativity, it will execute on that negativity. If you focus on pizza all day, it's more likely that you'll dream about pizza. But maybe you'll end up dreaming a nonsense dream. It's very inconsistent, and it's actually not a stimulus response from external sources at all. It's a, it's a whole separate train of thought that you don't experience by default with your active mind, but it can be influenced by your active mind. So this would tie into every single theory that exists so far and leaves wiggle room for even the abstract. Now, this isn't a theory that I've come up with by any means. Uh, It's one that has origins as far back as ancient times, uh, especially in mystical traditions like ceremonial magic. Jason Louv, who I'm sure you've heard mentioned on the on the podcast here before, he's one of the instructors that I learned from. Um, he teaches that dreams are not a stimulus response, like I just stated. It's not just your subconscious mind reach, uh, responding to a random chemical or things that happen in your life, but more so, Jason teaches that while there are external references in dreams, there's actually no hard link between the subconscious thoughts that process dreams and your conscious awake mind. So while you'll get those external references, it's not a hard link. They're just kind of like loose references throughout there. So that's kind of what, what Jason teaches about dreams at, at, at a high level. But uh, taking this a little bit further, this is why dreams can be quite literally anything. This is the, uh, the room for the abstract that I was referencing. Dreams can create worlds that have never just been conceptualized at all in the entirety of conscious reality. No, nobody, you could have a dream that is so unique and creates a world so unique and so abstract that not even the elements of it are something that we have considered in, in our conscious lifetime in, that anybody has considered. That, that's totally possible. And while probably not adequately recorded in history, I'd, I'd place some solid bets that it's happening to this day uh, and it's happened all throughout history. Um, but it is something that's difficult to prove, but the possibilities are endless. That's what the theory here is trying to convey, really. So what's cool about the external references that are kind of uh, shown up in dreams is while they're not hard linked, they can be used to bridge and link the conscious and subconscious minds. Now, I preface this by saying this episode is not sponsored. I'm legitimately just a student. But if you want to learn more about what I'm talking about uh, here uh, in regards to what Jason has to say about dreams, I strongly suggest enrolling in his course at magic.me. That's M-A-G-I-C-K dot me. And you can take the Introduction to Magic course where it teaches all about uh, the things that I'm talking about regarding his his theory on dreams. Um, and it's it's actually just a powerful course that even someone who has been practicing as diligently as like me for years now, uh, I, I learned a wealth of knowledge from this course. That's why I'm, I'm recommending it. But it's why I even have an opinion or philosophy on dreams presently. So that's kind of partially where this topic came up. The other the other side is that I had a nightmare last night and my partner suggested, well, why don't you talk about dreams in your podcast since you need to make an episode? 
and that was that was the whole idea but yeah while magic.me is totally unrelated and unaffiliated and this is not sponsored i do personally just recommend that if you want to learn more about the school of thought all right that's enough of my fanboy plug i do want to introduce another concept that jason teaches though now this isn't a unique uh concept that jason teaches this is a, a goal of all meditation practices and that goal is to shut off the internal monologue what is the internal monologue? Well, I like to think of it like this. The internal monologue is how you think every day, like your default thinking pattern, like not, not your active thinking pattern, but when you're just sitting still and your mind's just going, it's what it's thinking about. You know, for people who suffer with different mental disorders, it can be even louder sometimes. Like for me, I get a lot of intrusive, depressing thoughts. People who have ADD or ADHD may be bouncing around uh, different ideas, you know, that manifests in different ways. It's not always your thought pattern. So the <clears throat> the mental health aspect of that can change how the internal monologue is defined. And that's something I've been exploring lately as a thought exercise as well. But Jason describes the internal monologue at a bare minimum. So this is what it is by default for everyone, regardless of, of mental health. This is, this is inherently true uh, as, as far as this teaching goes. And that is it is our default function. So Jason describes the internal monologue as the default functions for our survival and motives as living creatures. So that's stuff like our fight or flight, the need for food, anything that's like just inherent biological baseline. You know, like I need to sleep, I need to eat, uh, I'm scared in this situation, I'm going to run away or I'm going to fight and defend myself, you know, it's fight or flight and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's all of these default primary functions uh, that our brain is going to be working with since birth, basically. So what's interesting about the internal monologue is while it seems really important, it's often actually super loud, right? So like that, those executive functions, those bare minimum things that we need to survive are really loud in our brains a lot of the time. Not always, but, but most of the time for the vast majority of people, uh, even to the point where it's speaking in an eye voicing in your head. Think about when you feel threatened or perhaps when you feel low on energy. Your head's going to say, I am hungry or I am scared. And if you're speaking or something, you may even blurt this out, those exact words, I am hungry, I am scared. This is the internal monologue controlling your thoughts and actions. And here's the interesting part. The internal monologue is not only not us. So the internal monologue is not us. The internal monologue is just a, a thinking pattern that is a default in people. But it's not you. It's something that your brain does. So not only is it not you, it's actually totally unnecessary. You don't need an executive function telling you to eat, sleep, run, fight, or flight, any of that kind of stuff. Maybe you do as an infant creature, because these can be helpful instincts, but as you grow into an intelligent ad adult, well, these are distractions that your brain is making for you. You don't need that. You can make those decisions on your own for yourself. This is even true for those that are not neurotypical. Albeit, no matter your mental state, whether it's a, your neurotypical or, or your normative or you have a, a certain mental issue or mental health problem, uh, regardless, doesn't matter where you fall on that scale, shutting off the internal monologue is difficult for everyone. So while it's true that no one needs it, it's also true that it's difficult to turn off for everyone. If, if you could, it, you would immediately after deciding, oh, okay, well, if I don't need it and I can shut it off and I can kind of think for myself more freely, if that's what this is implying, which it is, we'll get there. Um, why not do that? 
that's why it's a goal of meditation. It's, it's something that requires work. And the reason it requires work is because the internal monologue is the default. It's instinctual. To shut off the internal monologue is executing cognitive evolution in real time. That takes hard work. You're literally evolving your brain chemistry uh, into something completely different. It's, it's insane. And it, it's totally possible. That's Like I said, it's, a, it's one of the primary goals of meditation. It's not the end goal of meditation, but to achieve meditative states more precisely, it's kind of important to shut off the thing that's automatically thinking for you in your brain. You need to say, hey, it's time for me to meditate. My brain needs to be clear. That means everybody shut up. And I want to think about exactly what I want to think about, including not thinking about anything at all. And the internal monologue doesn't doesn't really like that. It wants to keep going on its monologue, right? But why does any of that matter for dreams? Well, oddly enough, your internal monologue isn't a blocker when it comes to your subconscious or rather unconscious mind in the case of a dream. So what's nifty about being able to turn off the internal monologue is that we can be more in control of our active conscious mind, which we can then use to dictate our subconscious mind. Now, I won't dive into any more super spiritual stuff past this for this episode, but the reason one might want to do this isn't just to control your dreams, but to control the entirety of your thinking, even as you are dreaming, so including dreams. So let's loop back around. I've said a lot of weird shit, but what this theory distills down to is to say that dreaming isn't necessarily another reality, but another realm of thoughts, of thinking where the possibilities are absolutely endless. This means you can do work on yourself in other worlds that others can't even fathom or simply enjoy and explore a cave on an afternoon, anything like that. The, the possibilities are truly endless. Now, this isn't a new notion. It's exactly where the idea of dreams in terms of goals come from, like having a dream house or a dream job. However, in this context, it's not just about the physical, but about the dreams of your mindset, your emotions, and your thinking patterns and habits. To be in control of your dreams is to be in control of all of the ways that your mind thinks. So back to Jason. Jason further teaches that many people call the output of unconscious thoughts fate. This is because as you dream, you do indeed continue to process something, albeit sometimes it could be nonsense. But ultimately, it yields some sort of output that could impact your reality if you're not paying attention. This is because dreams are reality. It's just another way of thinking. It's not any less real in terms of your thoughts. It's just maybe what you're thinking about is imaginary. Now, I think this is a wonderful idea. But to say that the unconscious thoughts that you have, the output of the unconscious thoughts that you have, mind you, sorry, uh, to say that that is what fate is ignores the fact that external reality also dictates the fate of others in practical terms. So, you know, if you're thinking about dreaming and you have a dream and you have a bunch of pizza in your dream and it doesn't make any sense, the output of that determining your fate, kind of a cool idea. And I think it's valid. I do think it's valid. I think that's true, but I think it's missing something. And that is, uh, for example, in, in terms of external reality, other people can bring harm and good equally uh, in ways that are practical. So like whatever you're doing, like somebody attacks you and like cuts your Achilles tendon or whatever, that's going to fucking suck and change your fate throughout your life as you go. But here's the thing about fate. While 
whether it's the output of your unconscious thoughts or whether it's practical people bringing you harm or we're good throughout your life, fate changes on a dime. Fate is never set. That's something that, that I think we get misconstrued in uh, through old myths and lore and stuff like that. Uh, literally any decision you make can change your fate as you go. That's the caveat though. Even if there's an ultimate end goal, you can change the path there. It doesn't matter what, what school of thought you're in there. There's still change that's ever present and you get to choose those things. That's kind of the ideal of, of your will. So your fate can change on a dime if you will it. So that's the caveat. Even though this idea uh, of the output of unconscious thought being fate, even though it ignores the external factors of life, it's doing so in the context of learning magic. Magic with a K, as we all know here. So a magician is supposed to be in control of how they respond to life. That's what it means to be a magician. And at every turn as a magician, you are ultimately responsible for how your life goes. You meet the people that you meet and do the things that you do because you took actions and steps deliberately to do so. This includes controlling unconscious thought processes that result in this idea of fate. So if you subscribe to a magical way of thinking, then this all makes a bit more sense. The output of your unconscious dreams are your fate because all those things about meeting people and doing stuff are all influenced by your thinking patterns and that include your unconscious thoughts. So being able to master that as a magician helps impact your ultimate fate. And Jason is theorizing here that the unconscious uh, realm of thought actually has a much bigger impact on fate than um, your external conscious thoughts, which so far um, I like the idea of. I'm not so sure how far it goes, but he's got a lot of experience with it and thinks it to be true. And in my own practice so far, I found it to be true. So we'll keep running with it. Um, so that, that's my personal line of thinking, but I'm also a ceremonial magician. Not everybody listening is. That's not a school of thought that everybody takes. So there's a lot of ambiguity here that doesn't apply to, to most people. So if you don't subscribe to a magical way of thinking, then fortunately, like my other teacher, Damian Nichols says, everyone is doing magic, even if you don't call it that. So while you may not think or agree with the presented theory, you still get benefits from being in control of your dreams. So that's what I really want you to take away from this. You can ignore all my gobbledygook. That doesn't matter. Think about what you would benefit from in controlling your dreams and controlling your thinking while you're not awake. Well, the way I started, um, even before receiving instruction from teachers in my spiritual practice, was to simply write down dreams. Now, like I said, more often than not, when I do sleep, I actually have nightmares. So throughout my mental health journey with my therapist, uh, at various points I've had like an increased like sequence of nightmares throughout the week. Like say I was sleeping a lot more, but I was also having more nightmares. They would ask me to write down those nightmares. And this is so we can analyze and see if they have any deeper meaning or if it's just fear of nonsense because it was a wacky spooky dream. You know, if, if I'm having a traumatic memory about my dead father, that's something we can analyze. If it was just this big, scary monster eating my legs, well, it was a big, scary monster eating my legs. There's not much more to it. It was just a bad dream, and now I was uncomfortable the next day, whatever it was. So that that's the whole point of doing that in terms of my therapeutic context, uh, context for nightmares. Um, but that that's kind of where it started for me. I just started by writing down my dreams. So 
this actually continued. This is what my spiritual practice teaches as well is just write down your dreams, whatever they are, good, bad, ugly, just write them all down. Uh, that's more in depth than just doing it ad hoc uh, as my therapist asked me to. So what I would say to get started is write down your dreams as soon as you wake up. You don't necessarily have to journal the full details. I know some of us aren't uh, awake enough when we first get up to just do that first thing in the morning. Um, I know like I need a, a second to get moving. I'm usually frozen for a moment in the morning. So what I do, since I'm like that, is I take a notepad or I grab my phone and I just jot down a few words that describe what the dream was about. I do enough keywords and phrases that I know will jog my memory later should I forget the dream. But it's important to do this as soon as possible uh, or you'll you'll likely forget them. So if you can write down the full dream, go ahead and start journaling right away when you get up. But otherwise, try to do some keywords and phrases that will help jog your memory later. And once you've done that, uh, especially if you're doing the latter, if you've um, wrote down just some keywords and phrases, you can do a full journal entry later when you have some more time or when you're awake in, in like 10, 15 more minutes, however long it takes you to get up. <laughs> Don't want to assume because like I've been frozen in bed for 30 minutes to an hour sometimes. It's just... We have, we wake up on the wrong side of the bed some days, don't we? So since I've incorporated this process of logging my dreams into my daily spiritual practice, um, it's, it's every single day. It's a daily practice. I log a dream every single day. Uh, even if I don't dream at all, or even if I don't even sleep, I still just note that in my dream log. Now, rarely, if ever, do I go back and actually reread these dream logs. That's what's interesting. You're not really supposed to at least in the spiritual practice context. Uh, so this is for me. Like if you are doing some kind of spiritual practice where you're using your dreams uh, and you're logging them just to see progress of your, your practice and your meditation efforts, you, you don't really want to go back and read them, at least not immediately. Uh, if you're using them for just self-analysis, I mean, do whatever the heck you want. Do, do what works. Always do what works. That's that's also a uh, important thing about a magic. It's, it's whatever works, right? Um, so... Um, I don't, I don't ever go back and reread. I just let them sit in the journal, uh, and it serves as more, uh, more than a historical reference. It's not just a historical reference. Uh, so what's nice about it for me is if I go back after a few months and read what I wrote, often I'll find patterns. In my case, since I'm doing meditative work, that should be directly impacting every aspect of my mind and thinking. As a result, my dreams should reflect the fate that I'm building for myself. So I expect my meditation efforts to directly impact my dreams. Now, here's what I've found. Sometimes they do, but by nature of what dreams are, sometimes they're just nonsense. Or at least it's nonsense that I don't understand presently. But maybe it'll make sense in a few months or years down the road. For all I know, a, a dream about a, a spider crawling on my eyeball could have some significance in 10 years. I don't actually know. Uh, but sometimes they are pretty immediate reflections of the work I've been doing. Sometimes they are nonsensical, at least in the realm of what I can understand presently. So let me share a few dreams with you then. I'll share one that had a very obvious, profound connection to my practice. I'll share another one that was total nonsense to me. And then I'll share my most recent one that reflects my conscious fears in the form of a nightmare. So we're going to get kind of deep with the dreams. All right. So the first dream I, uh, I'm i going to present here actually was a nightmare. Now, this isn't the first dream I had when I started logging. This is uh, several weeks down the road, maybe even months. I don't know. This dream journal is getting thick. I've got it in front of me now. Uh, but I'm going to read this dream, 
And it's actually a nightmare, but it had some pretty profound spiritual uh, significance in terms of my meditative uh, practice. So here's the dream log. I had an unpleasant dream, not quite a nightmare, but it wasn't positive. I was stuck living with my birth parents and my past partner. We were in my old house, but the house was distorted, mixing elements of my childhood home with this previous home I used to live in. This was easy to understand, as I only have memories of my birth father in two areas of my previous home, so my subconscious struggled to piece them together. So I was only, I was just kind of recap, I'll make some commentary as I go. That was a big distorted home. I was picturing the house that I used to live in a couple of years ago, and he was only there a couple of times while I was still alive, and then otherwise I had only ever seen him in other homes. So my brain was kind of melding the two houses together into one, even though it was dominantly um, the previous house I had lived in. So in this dream, my mother constantly belittled me, and my partner was constantly in a state of tension threatening our relationship. So I was constantly getting berated by my mother. My partner was threatening our relationship. And I was also lashing out against everyone, uh, which caused my father to grow depressed and disappointed in me. So I'm getting berated by my mother, tension with my partner, and I'm lashing out. I'm lashing out on all of this, and my father is becoming depressed and disappointed with me. So the weight of all of this caused me to crack and break emotionally. So I called in some old friends to help. But once they arrived, they saw me screaming back at my mother and my partner, and they actually took their sides. Some went with my mother, others with my partner, uh, and those, those had issues with both my mother and, and me. My father began to loathe all of it, and he did his best to calm us, but he ended up in circular arguments with my mother. Eventually, I moved to a place of lucidity, like a guardian angel over my dream self's shoulder. So I am now no longer experiencing this in first person. I am outside of my body, and I'm watching everything happen, and I'm watching myself go through this. I felt the pain that my dream self felt, and I began to understand that all that was happening here was me reliving an experience, or several experiences at once. My dream body was being forced to relive four different critical traumas all at once, and he was breaking. He didn't have the patience, kindness, or knowledge that I do now. Why would he? He was being bullied, abandoned, and watching loved ones suffer all at once. And I'm watching this all happen from the third person. However, he was in the wrong too. He should have shut his mouth and listened. Had he listened, he would have heard how much his father loved and supported him. He would have heard what his partner needed and earned her support. And after all that, after gaining all of that support back, he would know and learn that his mother's words, the belittling, all of that was empty. Didn't mean anything. But it was too late for him, at least in this dream. The damage was already done. So, with no one else at his back, I was there. I was there for myself for once. I whispered in his ear to leave. I told him to leave it all and let go. Staying will only cause more pain. So he left. He was terrified with nowhere to go. So he found a bridge. It was misty out. It was well past midnight. 
and under the bridge, I approached him in a way that he could see me. I held him close and looked him in the eyes. I told him what he had done wrong, but I also told him that it was truly okay. I showed him compassion and understanding, knowing what the pressure that he was under had drove him to do. But I still explained how he was responsible for his actions and he's responsible for how he responds to others, still being understanding of why and condemning what was unacceptable. I taught him that this, this being responsible for his actions and responsible for how he responds to others, I taught him that this is the greatest lesson in power he will ever know. I told him to let go of all that, all the things that wronged him, and all that he had done wrong and begin living with control and his responses to life. Before he does this though, I gave one last instruction. Feel the pain now. Do let it go, but in time. Don't push the pain down, but feel it now in this moment. And then I sat with him. And I cried with him and I felt the pain until it was time to wake up. So that was the first dream, not the first dream that a lot of I said that, that was, that's the first dream we're going to talk about today. So essentially what happens here throughout this dream is I created a world of all of my worst traumas all at once. And I watched myself experience them in real time. And at the end, I use my experience and growth that I have now in my current present day mind to actively care for and heal my past self and relive the pain again. I basically did some kind of wonky freaking time traveling in my dream and just culminated a world where all these things existed at once and it was the most pressure at one time. I had to feel all of the emotions again at one time. And this was me actively growing and moving past these traumas in my subconscious mind. Now, while all those memories do still hurt me to this day. I'm not really thinking about it. Not in the same way. It's not in control of me. It's just a negative thing that happened. And it's okay now. And I get to keep moving. Especially experiencing that in a dream state in such a profound way that, that wasn't how it was. Like I didn't have all of that pressure at once. It was spread out throughout my life. And in different ways. Like a lot of the things that, that were in the dream didn't necessarily really happen. At least they didn't happen the ways that they happened in the dream. Um, but the emotions, the emotions I have all experienced regardless throughout my life and not all at once. And so that was pretty jarring to have them all at once. So that's one of those, those dreams that had a lot of, uh, spiritual significance. It was, it was self-healing. It was part of needing to experience that again and, um, forgive myself to keep moving on so that way I can keep growing in my spiritual practice. That's what that was all about. So Let's go to one that is, ah, yes, here we go. Let's go to one that uh, is completely nonsense. So here, here we go. Another entry in the dream log. So this one's, uh, I want to say like a week later or maybe a couple days later I had this dream actually. So similar, similar time frame. All right. I had a dream that I was on some sort of rescue mission to save someone from some kind of cult sacrifice. Our cover to get into this, this cult was as a touring band and there were 
seven of us, one of which was my friend Michael, who recently passed away. We've had some episodes uh, on, on the podcast about about Michael and words. That's where the word stoppets came from. So I haven't checked the, those episodes. Here's a quick mid-dream plug. <laughs> but yeah, Michael was with me in this dream. Um, so as we entered the town for this mission, we saw all the townspeople adorned in yellow hooded robes. They all functioned normally until they saw our tour bus pass. As they watched it pass, they stared like blank zombies, malicious and ghost-like even. They invited us there to play for the ceremony that was uh, supposed to occur. It was, it was actually the ceremony for the sacrifice. Uh, I don't know why we, how, or how we got this gig, but we were going to play at a sacrifice. Uh, but we were outsiders. And obviously, they did not tell us about the sacrifice itself. We were scheduled to be gone before the actual sacrificial ceremonies began. We were just kind of like an entry band. However, while they didn't tell us about the actual sacrificial ceremony, um, they did tell us about a paranormal phenomena that entranced all of the people within this cult. So we were told to wear robes or else the townsfolk may show aggression. <laughs> so we had our, our crazy intel, because remember this is an op, we're not really a band. Apparently we had some intel let us... Uh, uh, figure out that certain robe colors meant different things. So they figured out that certain white robes would give us privileged access without question. But the wrong robes, even if they were white, would have us attacked on site by possessed people. So that's what our intel told us. So our plan was to do an immediate rescue. No playing a show, no waiting, no no doing anything else. We'll just get straight through it. And it was a gamble on abusing our robes. So if we had made our robes right, then we would have been super successful at this. So we adorn our robes, step off the bus. The stares that looked at us were deafening. A few moments pass and the people return to walking. We knew that we were being watched now, but we weren't sure if that was good or bad. So we began to walk forward, and then I wake up. So I don't get to finish the mission. <laughs> I woke up from that dream. The only significance that dream really had was that my buddy Michael had passed away, and he was in the dream. So that's kind of like when, what we talked about earlier when Jason said the, there are often external references, but they don't hard link to the dream. So to me, this dream just felt like a weird post-apocalyptic movie. There was no deeper meaning here, and you could abstractly say that it's a reflective uh, posture of my nature to help others. And eh, that's kind of a stretch. Uh, I, I would rather you dive down like a, a tra traumatic religious cult path uh, of, of religious trauma or something like that uh, and draw that out of, out of there and pull some conclusions of meaning than, than saying it's reflective of a nature to help others. But that's kind of what I, I was I was reaching. So this is me reaching. It's all a stress. So I, even what I just said, like I fumbled over my words because I'm reaching for some kind of meaning in this, but there really isn't any. To me, it just feels like an action movie and it has no personal significance. It just has some external references. So that's the dream that didn't really mean a whole lot to me. Let's go now to the nightmare. Take me a second to flip through the pages. This is my most recent one, so it should be just in the back of my book here. Get to hear me do it in real time. Could edit it out on the mic, but we're professionals here. We don't need to edit. Sundry, I've edited this several times already. All right. Most recent dream log. 
This was as of, I guess, last night, technically this morning when I'm recording this. Dates don't matter to you. You just know when I, I publish it. You don't know actually when I record this unless I say it. All right. Here we go. I had a nightmare. It started with my current partner expressing that she no longer loves me and finds me disgusting. This sent me into a depressive spiral, at least within the dream, where I found myself on a bus where I was supposed to attend a rehabilitation center for depressed musicians. During the trip, this girl that I went to high school with was there. And we'll call her Kay for the sake of the dream. Kay always bullied me in high school, albeit indirectly by outwardly uh, expressing disgust and gossiping to other girls, saying things about how off-putting I am. And during rehabilitation, uh, which she was present at, um, she grew a crush on me. As we were returning home from the rehab center, she expressed her feelings for me. I rejected her due to the prior trauma uh, being too much. Uh, I didn't want to let go of it, and I felt like she was still a bully, and I didn't believe her. I didn't believe her in her expressing her emotions. I thought it was a trick, and I was just recalling the trauma. On the way back, uh, there was a, a house that was on fire. So we're on these big buses, and there's this house on fire that we're passing. And it had people inside screaming as they burned to death, and we watched this just as loud and obvious as clear as day. And as we passed by, one of the counselors that was on the bus stated, at least it is one of Trump's cotton fields. It will burn up and cost him $20 million. Now, as funny as that is to read now, I was disturbed by that whole situation because we're making light of people dying in a fire just because it cost a billionaire some money. Um, love or hate him, which I'm not a fan personally. Uh, that's still not okay. That's not the kind of thing we, we should be helping these people that are burning alive. So I was extremely disturbed by that whole situation, but I kept my head low. We arrived at my grandmother's house to drop me off, but where their barnyard had been, it had been converted to a giant aircraft hangar instead. And a huge party was being thrown filled with musicians. Most everyone that was there I knew personally or had at least heard of. But there were hundreds gathered at this party. So there, there were just like hundreds and hundreds of people here. Uh, and that means there's plenty of random people because I don't know hundreds and hundreds of people. At some point, a small group of friends asked me to play guitar with them. Um, and there were two stages for anyone to perform on. One was in the air hangar, one was on the carport. And it was kind of like an ad hoc battle of the bands, but any combination of musicians could get up and play. So you didn't have to be a part of a group. You could just find your group. You're with a bunch of musicians. So I went and found my guitar since they asked me to play with them, but I couldn't locate my amp despite having had it with me the entire time during rehab, at least is what I remembered when I was dreaming. I remembered that my older cousin had also been at the rehab center with me. So after an hour of searching, he actually showed up at the party. So I asked him if he had seen it. Very polite when asking him, just said, hey man, have you seen my amp? I know you were there. You know, could you tell me where it's at? And he gave me a snobby attitude. And he, he, had, he said that he had just got off work and he was telling me to fuck off. So I decked him in the face, right in the mouth a few times in just an absolute fury of rage. And he finally begged me to stop and truthfully admitted that he had no idea where it was. So I returned 
and went to the group and asked just to sing. Uh, and I was going to sing with a different group since they didn't need me. And since there were so many, many other guitars already to pull from, I just, just let me sing with some other group. I also remembered after the fact, after deciding that, that my amp had been moved back to my band's practice spot. Um, that was 40 minutes away. They just did that for me as part of moving my luggage since I just hopped off the bus. So I was just an asshole and beat up my cousin for, for no reason. Well, not no reason. He gave me attitude, but it was aggressive. It was super ragey. It was so totally uncalled for and not like me at all. It was kind of scary, actually. Um, and then I, I went to take the stage to sing, and I woke up. So this was a simple nightmare. Nothing too abnormally scary, uh, but... It was super uncomfortable the whole time. All of that was really cringy and uncomfortable and lots of like raw like expressions of emotions, but it was reflective of my depression, reflected of my fear of losing a loved one. Remember this all started with like uh, my partner telling me they don't love me anymore. That's that. That was pretty heavy. Um, and it's kind of spiraled from there. Uh, it also reflected a trauma with having poor teachers in the past with that weird ass counselor, uh, fear of being unreliable, um, you know, I'm searching for hours. I'm stressing out. That's the emotion I felt during that. And also a seed of anger that I don't have. A seed of anger that I don't want to have uh, that lashes out like that. And hell, it even had some high school trauma baked in there. That was really funny. But in reality, all of this was just my brain processing all the events that I had experienced recently, at least in some weird way. Obviously, I didn't experience high school trauma recently or shitty teachers recently or a seed of anger recently. Like a lot of these things are past things that I can actually connect dots to exactly where they came from. Uh, and it's actually pretty obvious, even in the context of the dream, they kind of stood out. But what I mean by that is that this dream was basically an inverse reflection of the reality that I'm currently in. So recently I've had my partner be very kind and affectionate and loving. I've had a lot of success in, in my projects and my music stuff that I'm doing. This was This dream was an inverse of that. Inverse of my progress in my mental health, inverse of my progress in my relationship, and in inverse of my progress in music and other things with some side weird focuses of trauma. So in a way, it was my mind experiencing an alternate reality that can no longer happen because of how I am choosing to respond actively in my life. But it was uncomfortable nonetheless. Now, do I think this nightmare has any spiritual significance? Nah, not really. Like I said, it's an inverse uh, of everything and it's not my will it's not how i am going to allow things to happen it's not how i'm going to choose to respond to life but it is a potential outcome in a weird way even though it's a nonsensical nightmare that's the other thing to remember it's a nightmare um and i think that's the key difference when it comes to dreams and nightmares uh, at least in regards to spiritual practice it's not that nightmares don't have any significance it's that oftentimes a nightmare just may be the inverse of the direction you're heading to begin with it may not be reflective of things are bad that are happening now if your nightmare is reflective of your reality you may want to delve back and think about some things and, and what you're working on with yourself but otherwise if it's exactly the opposite of what you're doing I wouldn't say that's a bad thing. I think that's just your brain having a nightmare and maybe you are stressed out. Like I know for a fact that I am stressed the hell out because I'm trying to get ready to buy a house and I've only got a couple months and uh, or at least on my own timeline. So I guess in some ways I'm stressing myself out, but it's something that I need to do sooner than later. And if I wait any longer, I'll be more miserable than I would if I didn't. So even though I technically do have more time, you see where I'm going with this and it's very stressful. Uh, so it's like a little personal tidbit to kind of give an idea of why I may have had a nightmare to begin with. And then the contents of the nightmare, while not 
on their own related to my spiritual well-being and health um, are actually the inverse reflection because I had a nightmare instead of a normal dream. So those are just a couple dream examples. You know, one of a of a spiritually significant one, one of a nonsensical one, and one of just a nightmare that could be relevant or non to spiritual practice. So that was a lot. It was a lot of super hippie hot takes, a lot of mysticism, and I know that it's not necessarily an answer for what dreams are. And while I believe these things to be true personally, that's solely based on my experiences. And it's all just theories. But the common thread across all of these theories is that dreams are thoughts. And these thoughts can have impact from your conscious mind. So you can, you can impact your dreams from your conscious awake mind. If you control these thoughts, then you can see that be reflected in your daily life in a practical way. So controlling the thoughts of your conscious mind to impact the thoughts of your dreams can then inverse or then can then cyclically, I guess is the best way to say that it, it goes around. Like you impact your, you think what you want to think during the day that impacts your dreams and your dreams can impact your reality. Just like thinking and doing things impact your reality. It's just thinking while you're unconscious. So moral of the story is try writing down your dreams. Hell, share your dreams with us in the comments below. If you want, tell us what you think they mean. Just writing them down might help you realize something new about your life. And that is a, an experience worth sharing. As always, don't forget to check out echoesbox.com and stay tuned till next time. Thanks. I just hope it's not enough to make you see how I'm distressed.